Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to a somber edition of the Steelers postgame show after the Pittsburgh Steelers had their hearts ripped out of their chests, 31 to 28. And now I feel like there should be a gigantic billboard put somewhere in Cleveland stating help needed love Steelers fans. Uh, I doubt you'd get much response that's positive because after all the Browns hate the Steelers. But let's be honest, after the loss, the playoff scenario is simple. The Steelers need to beat the Bengals next week, and the Ravens need to lose to the Browns. That is the only chance the Steelers can get into the postseason, and that's pretty darn scary if you ask me. But with that being said, I bring in my co-host as always, Lance Williams. Lance, what the hell just happened? You know, it is the Christmas season. That's about the only thing I can say that's positive right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, you're right. And, um, well, you know, there was a lot of positive in this game. I felt, um, you know, everyone talked about how the Steelers wouldn't be able to hang down in the dome and there's no chance that they'll even come close. And, uh, prior to the game, I said on our behind the steel curtain Twitter feed that some fans by my mentions, it's, it's almost like they're saying, why even play the game? Why even show up? Just, just take the L and let's go home and hope that, uh, Cleveland can be Baltimore next week. But you know what? The Steelers played really hard and here's what ticks me off. And I, we've said it a million times, Lance, the 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 um the quote from uh oh my gosh, former Redskins coach Joe Gibbs, there it is. Yes, yes. Three or four plays can decide a football game. Period. And you take a, a, all those great plays that were made, whether it's Antonio Brown's fourth and 15 catch on the sideline, um and I still point to specific plays. I, let me not say plays, let me say decisions and or outcomes. We'll say that. So here's my four, okay? And I literally, I don't have these written down. I'm just speaking off the top of my head. The defensive pass interference on Joe Hayden on the first drive of the Saints that equated to a first and goal, which led to the Camaro's first touch, or it might have been Ingram. I don't know. It was their first touchdown of the game, seven to three right off the bat. That was horrible. I'm sorry. This is the NFL. You can't blow a call that bad. That's one. Second would be Steven Ridley being selected to play in a situation where it's third and two, he fumbles the football, a guy that got benched earlier in the season because he fumbled the football. And I heard Mike Tomlin in his post-game press conference. I didn't want to listen anymore. We went live. He said that if they wouldn't have fumbled, they would have gone for it on fourth down anyways. I just think that was a poor decision, and that also turned the tide. Let me pause you there Go before you get back to it. So that's number two. Okay. Yes. Let me add to your number two. Let me add a little Laurie seasoning salt to it. Sure. In a situation like that, you can't put the ball in Stephen Ridley's hands at that juncture of the game. That has to be decided by Ben Roethlisberger throwing the football to A.B., Juju, or Vance McDonald, preferably A.B. or Juju. Your Hall of Famer franchise quarterback has to be allowed to make the decision as to what he wants to do in that spot. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's why he gets the big money. That's why he balled out today. You let him make that decision, and you make your best players or you let your best players on offense to decide the football game. You cannot put the ball in Ridley's hands in that spot. No. No, I agree, 100%. So that was number two. Number three, I felt was, I, it's a toss-up between the defensive pass interference call on Morgan Burnett, which extended a drive, or 
another Joe Hayden pass interference call, which was that on fourth down or was that on third down, Lance? I think that was that was fourth down. That was fourth down, I believe. It was fourth down. It was fourth. It would have been two. a turnover. It on was down. a fourth and two. It would have been a turnover yes. on downs. And can I add a little smoke pack, Rico, on that point? You know, since it's the Christmas season, we're going to be eating very well in the next couple of days. Jeff is the sensei mm-hmm. when it comes down to smoked turkey with the old bay turkey. <laughs> I know Jeff got it ready. Um, didn't that ball get tipped by Stefan to it? Certainly looked like it, and that's something that – was that in the final two minutes, Lance? I'm not sure if it was in the final two, but, man, it got tipped because it got redirected. I if it's in if it's inside two minutes the it, it it cannot be challenged on the field that has to come from New York or the booth and it wasn't so we'll compound that one into number three number four is sad but Juju Smith Schuster's fumble I mean the guy had, has had in my opinion a tremendous season where really I can't think of any time that we've had to criticize his play as an NFL player I mean let's be honest I mean. He's not a guy that has fumbling problems. He doesn't have a history of that. He ha- might have the occasional brain fart where he drops a pass that should be caught. But ultimately, he is a tremendous player. I hated to see it. He was fighting for extra yards. Ball gets popped out. Game over. But I'm going to say that I'm not going to have that be number four. Number four, and maybe the most important one in my opinion, was Mike Tomlin and or Danny Smith deciding to go for a fake punt on a fourth and five with the game on the line, when let's be honest, the Steelers defense, if there was ever a point in the game where they had been playing up to par, it was at that time. So punt the ball deep, make Drew Brees drive the entire field. I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it, but make him at least do that. Don't give him half the field. If it was fourth and two, I'd be okay with that. But asking Roosevelt next to run through that line, which seemed like they were ready for a fake, by the way, I just thought it was a bad call. I know that it's one of those Monday morning quarterback things where if he makes it, it's a gutsy call, blah, blah, blah. He didn't. I questioned the decision to even make that call, not so much the outcome, if that makes sense. That's my fourth. But those of those four plays, Lance, those were huge, huge plays at critical points in the game. You can go ahead and even list some more that I might have missed, or you can uh, give your thoughts on those. No, I think those are the four. I mean, I think those are critical. I mean, you might want to eliminate uh, the refs' calls just because, no. you know, no, refs they, are... they were freaking awful. They, <laughs> they were, were so bad. inept, man. You even said on, on, on a text message that touchdown by Michael Thomas, which is right in front of the official, how do you not call that a touchdown and then not call the offensive pass interference on the same exact play? It's about. Yeah, it was bad. It, it was picked bad. Up three flags in the game. That just screams. The ineptitude of this crew, it's its awful, awful, awful. You said the stat from Dale Lawley on the standard is the standard about how many penalties go against the visiting team with this crew, correct? Yes. Let and, me look it up, um, unless you have it. Do you have yeah, it? I don't have it. Go ahead and look it up. I'm yeah, going to look it up. Look, go look, ahead and talk. Go ahead and talk. But of those, as you look it up, um, I'm wondering from your perspective, which one of those four plays was the worst? I think equally bad, too was the inability for the offense, and and they had been red hot. They couldn't get a first down when they got the ball back late 28-24, and they had to give it back. 
they couldn't get a first down. They went three and out. And I thought that was really big as well. But of the plays that you listed, I have to include the Juju play in there. Because if Juju doesn't fumble, they can attempt a field goal to tie the game. And you know, and I try to be consistent. Mistakes that end games are the most critical of mistakes. I love Juju. I think Juju is a fantastic player, is going to be a fantastic player. But that fumble ended the game. And had he not fumbled, they would have had an opportunity to kick a field goal. We don't know if Boswell makes it. We know his struggles, kicked it well today. But they would have had an opportunity to – they were in field goal range and had – and they had enough time to take several shots at the end zone. So that was the bone-crushing play. In terms of the trying to fake field goal, it reeked of desperation. And, and that's the one thing about those calls when it comes to Tomlin. We've seen him do it. But to me, they're illogical because you're trusting in your defense on one token by putting them in a half-field situation, but you're not trusting them in the other situation, in the other way, because you're attempting a play that's going to put them in a half-field situation. If you trust them, kick the ball deep, play the long field, make them execute play after play after play after play. Where the, where the odds are in your favor that you may make a play. I didn't like the call there, but it is one of those calls where if you make it, you're a hero, what a gutsy guy. If you don't, you look like, the, you look like an idiot. Um, but, yeah, it's just some bad plays that did not go right. I, I really didn't like the third and two call, but, again, of those that you listed, I would put the juju play back on because it's a turnover. Once again, the Steelers lose a turnover battle in this game. And um, just a tough way to lose a football game. But this loss isn't why this team won't make the playoffs, if that is what happens. The reason they won't make the playoffs is because they lost every single game against the AFC West. That will be why they didn't make the playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, speaking of the fake punt, it, to me, in my personal opinion, it is a situation that reeks of the same decision-making as the Artie Burns start against New England, where if you trust him, why would you take him out? If you trust the defense, why then, you know, why would you not give them and say, hey, we're going to punt a deep, go, go stop him? You're obviously. I, I just. I just don't like the decision making. There. It's it, it's ill, it's illogical. It, it's illogical. It, it, it doesn't reek of logic. It doesn't make any sense. It, no. It, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, you know, there was some bad officiating even after that play. Yeah. <laughs> that that if it goes in the Steelers' favor, maybe they win the game. And the frustrating thing about this game, even more so, I, I think for Steeler Nation, is the fact that. When this team is on its screws and playing good football and playing clean football, it is clearly good enough to beat elite teams and go the distance. But maybe it isn't because it doesn't play on its screws and it makes mistakes consistently. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I know that I don't even have the live chat right now on YouTube up currently. I'll bring it up here in a second. I know it's going to be riddled with fire Tomlin, fire Butler, fire Colbert, fire Smith, fire Feetner, fire everyone. Just fire the whole fire the whole organization up into the sky in a giant rocket and just eliminate it from this planet. That's basically what they're going to be saying. But, I mean, let's be honest with you. There's some questionable stuff. Here's what really ticks me off. And I, I'm just bringing up the game book now, which, by the way, we asked about penalties. Nine penalties to Pittsburgh for 91 yards to six penalties for 79 to the Saints. So not as lopsided as many might think, but it was just the nature of it that just drove me mad. But it, it to me, it, it really eliminates some really, really solid, solid performances by several Steelers. And I do want to talk about those individuals, even though it's a heartbreaking loss and the season feels like it's over um, and people are going to start wanting to talk about the draft and offseason needs and all that stuff. Ben Roethlisberger goes 35 for 50, 380 yards, 7.6 average, and he um, three touchdowns and no picks. He played a clean game, has 108.8 passer rating. He was sacked three times. A couple of those were really bad on his part. Can't take sacks in those situations. If you're grading Roethlisberger, one through four, what are you giving him? I mean, he gets a 3.75. I mean, this is the Ben Roethlisberger that they needed the past five to six weeks. This is the guy that they needed. And he went into New Orleans. He took some bad sacks, but he went into New Orleans and balled. Took care of the football. Got hot. Start ripping the Saints up. I mean, this is the guy that's the Hall of Fame guy. I would have loved for them to have been able to get a first down on that drive late in the fourth quarter where they went three and out, where he took, where he takes the sack in that situation and they can't convert that. If he, if there was a play that he would want back, that's one of them that he would want back because at that point he has to end the game. They have to end the game there. They, they, they can't get it back. They can't give it back to breeze. You know, that's, that's like five minute, you know, five minute drill time. You know, just can't give it back. But overall, he played a very good game. This might have been probably, in my estimation, one of the best games he played outside of the Panther game. So I thought it was a very solid effort by Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, you went 3.75. I'm going to go 3.5. Didn't win the game, period. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, people call me a Ben Roethlisberger homer. I thought he played tremendous. Um, early in the game, he was not accurate with the football, and that kind of hindered them a little bit. Uh, but then in the second half, like you said, he really started grooving. Um, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. I know he wasn't the one that fumbled the ball. He did not turn the ball over. But at the same time, it, it just wasn't good enough. And that's a shame. But uh, still, a 3.5 is a very good score. Now let's go to running backs. There's only one to talk about. Steven Ridley would get a negative score, if that's even possible. Um, but Jalen Samuels finishes with 12 carries for 53 yards. Surprisingly, a 4.4 average um, with a long of 16 yards. They didn't try to run it that often, but um, I thought the rookie did a pretty decent job against the, the NFL's number one rush defense. What were your thoughts on him? What grade would you give him? I'd give him a solid three. I think the running game was used in a counterpunch fashion. And they tried to run it when they thought they could run it, but that, but yeah, you know, that's just I, I just can't I just can't get the third and two call out of yeah. my head. I mean that 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 in that spot. With those two running backs, you don't try that. You know, you Ridley is, is a guy that fumbles. 
It's just a bad. It's just bad. I thought they put Ridley in a bad situation, but even so, there, you know, Tomlin's explanation of maybe going for it twice if they don't get it. But I mean, that's after the fact. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just give Samuel's a three. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna give him a three as well. I think that's a very good score. It's a very solid score. He did not do anything uh, to hurt the team. I feel like with Jalen Samuels, the team, unlike James Conner, he lacks that burst. We've talked about this on the show before. Um, he's not a bad runner. He just doesn't have that that quick speed. I would really expect him to follow the Le'Veon Bell and James Conner nutrition plan, which is after your rookie year, you realize you need to lose weight, not gain it. And he'll probably come back next year a lot slimmer, a lot faster, and he'll be more effective. I feel like the Steelers' offensive scheme has to change too much when he's at running back. He's not between the tackles guy. They run more counter plays. It's not a bad thing, but it's also predictable. So I think a three is a good score for Jalen Samuels. And like I said, Stephen Ridley gets a minus 2000 because he fumbled the football. I mean, it's awful, awful. It's whatever. Okay. Moving on. And this is what really ticks me off. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger. Now we go to the receiving core. I mean, listen to these numbers, Antonio Brown, 14 catches on 19 targets, 185 yards, 3.2 average, two touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster, 11 catches on 15 targets, 115, 10.5 average, no touchdowns, but did have the game-clinching fumble. How do you grade the Steelers' receiving core? I'm counting them up right now. One, two, three, four, five, six different players caught passes from the Steelers in this game. What were your thoughts on the receiving core? I'm, I'm going to give it a three, even with the game-ending fumble by Juju, because them boys was out there eating. Man, that was a seven-course meal, boy. They was coming. That's a seven-course meal coming back for, for, for second helpings. I mean, if anyone had any question about can A.B. still play, A.B. went to work on Lattimore. Lattimore is a top-five corner in the National Football League, and he ate him up. They went to work today. It's just unfortunate that you know, the guy put the ball on the ground. And you can't put the ball on the ground. And that play ended the game. But they were fantastic out, out, outside of that play. So the grade is a three. This is the best combination in football. It's not Diggs and Thielen. It's A.B. and Juju. They're the best in the game. I can't disagree with that. Now let's go to the defense. I want to talk about the secondary first. Because as I'm looking at the Steelers receiving stat line i'm looking at the saints receiving stat line and listen to these numbers um michael thomas had 11 catches on 13 targets for 109 yards and a touchdown alvin Kamara had four receptions on six targets for 82 yards um ted ginn five catches for 74 yards on eight targets people forget and this is going to get in as as the game slowly saturates into my brain you start to remember different things and you start to be like, ah, you know, it wasn't all just at the end of the game. For instance, the Steelers score, get the two point conversion with, I want to say 40 seconds left in the half and yes. a big conversion to Alvin Kamara puts them in field goal range. And then all of a sudden they kick a field goal. And now it's 17, 14 going into halftime rather than tied up. They come out after half and score a touchdown. That's a 10-point swing, essentially, and that was all because of Kamara. They struggled with the crossing routes and their slow linebackers. That's what we've been talking about all, all season long. Um, how do you grade the Steelers' secondary going against that uh, New Orleans Saints passing attack? 
I'm going to give him a one. Okay. The pass interference penalties, regardless of what the refs call, whether we think they are legitimate calls or not, those are the calls. Joe Hayden, if I'm not mistaken, had four PIs today. I think three. Three or four. And then the icing on top is the terrible tackling angles and the terrible tackle against or lack of tackling against Alvin Kamara at the end of the half that sets the Saints up for a field goal that end up being the difference in the ball game. Uh, yeah, it's not good enough. That, that wasn't good enough. Some of that is schematic, and some of that is just flat out not good enough. Let me ask you this, Jeff. Sure. Just really be this before you get to your grade. Okay. Just on a quick special teams thought. I was talking to my dad as I was watching the game, and I don't give the Patriots credit. The Patriots typically on kickoffs, they kick it short to require guys to return it. And they do it because they want seconds to come off the clock and potentially in a lot of those situations, teams get penalties anyway. And, you know, they take 10 off and these guys start inside the 20 anyway. I I just, I was, when they were doing that, I was just like, man, this is not the time to kick it into the end zone. With a guy like Drew Brees, seconds matter. If you can shave off any seconds in that situation to make it more difficult for them to score, that's an opportunity to do that. What was your what was your thought on the philosophy uh, of kicking it out of the end zone and not forcing teams to return it and eat up a couple of seconds and maybe getting a special teams penalty on the return? So you're, team? you're talking about Boswell kicking the ball away. Yes, I'm talking about Boswell kicking it, kicking it, forcing a return, kicking the. Yeah, there's some teams that I could definitely agree to do that. Pittsburgh's not one of them. I think their special teams are awful. Um, They get bailed out because Danny Smith dials up a couple blocks every season. One was tonight when LJ Fortnite flew the line and blocked the the, uh, field goal of the Saints. Um, They're awful. If they're not drawing penalties, they're giving up big returns. Let's not forget about the uh, return against the Chargers to turn the tide. I know there was a potential questionable penalty on that play as well um but still i'm a guy that says kick it deep i know it would take time off but that time would be very very minute compared to the entire the grand scheme of things and so um yeah it's, I, I see what you're saying but i, I i'm with this team and this special teams unit kick it deep make them drive because we've seen it before guys get loose and actually you know they're starting at the 40 instead of the 25. So it can go both ways. Um, so yeah. All right. Let's move on with the grades. I'll, I'll grade the secondary with a, I'm going to say a two. You said a one. I'm going to say two. Um, I did think that there was some coverage issues. I talked about the crossing routes earlier tonight or t- during the show. Uh, that definitely was a problem, but I thought that he, the, I thought Morgan Burnett surprisingly played a very good game. We've been down on him a lot. I thought he played a good game. I thought he made some key plays down the stretch. I thought his pass interference call was also BS. Uh, but then again, like you said, regardless of the call, that was the call. Um, I would just for once would love to see the NFL put out a statement that says, these guys really effed it up. <laughs> and they they would never do that. <laughs> but I mean, I would love to see like a game by game review on Twitter because they do these on specific plays that are a game changing plays where Al Riveron will be on the Twitter video saying, this is why the call was this. I'd love for them to say, here's where the refs made mistakes. That would, I would love that. It would be a little justification for fans that are sitting there like me 
just still in their mind, just writhing over the fact that that's the way the game played out. I just hate it. I've said it before. I hate when they're that involved, period. They, if the refs aren't a talking point and the Steelers lose, I'm fine with it because sometimes your team just isn't good enough. And I felt the Steelers were good enough today. I'm just going to say that. Before you get to your our next set of grades, yeah, I'm going to be the advocate and try to get you to lower your grade for this secondary. How about uh, – and this was a play that we didn't add uh, to the Joe Gibbs four that could change the game. You can't give up a third and 20. No. And there was a coverage bust. You can't you you, you can't give up a third and twenty and to have a coverage in. and a coverage bust. You got to drop that grade, Jeff. You got to drop that grade, man. You you, you got to go one point okay, five. All right. 1. Well, 5. All right. All right. I'll meet you in the middle. One point five. One point five. Thank you. So I I for me I thought that the this the, one of the more difficult aspects of the game was going to be the Steelers trying to get to Breeze. We know Drew Breeze has one of the quickest releases. He reads defenses very well. And so here are some of the stats in terms of quarterback hits. The Steelers finished with five quarterback hits, and they did sack Breeze twice. Uh, Watt got one credit for one. Two, it got credit for one. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Watt gets a half. Or, but either way, TJ Watt adds his total. He has 12 now on the season. Still, a tr- I feel like he's really getting better. You've seen the progression from him. Um, but the front four, especially, you know, we're talking Watt, Hargrave, it, Hayward, and Dupree, and or Chekolo if you want to throw him in there. Uh, how do you grade this Steelers front? I'm going to give them a three. They also flushed Breeze several times. I just didn't like the philosophy of blitzing. I thought Tony Romo was spot on. I would have tried to just heat him up with four and play more coverage behind it because when he was trying to blitz, I know it kept Kamara in, but it did give Thomas some one-on-one against Joe Hayden or whoever else, and he was eating, and, and they had no way – uh, of handling so i'm gonna give them a three i thought they started cooking i thought they played pretty well and i thought as a front the steelers may be able to get pressure with four as a football team consistently and we haven't seen that yeah i what did you give a three was that your I gave them a three okay i'll i'll see i'll say i'll say three two five three point two five i thought they played a good game um they were they were also active you know cameron hayward had a pass defense um, and that was a big play in the game. That was almost an interception, actually, because until Drew Brees made a very heads-up call, a play by coming in and batting the ball to the ground. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it, it, this is this is a really tough loss, I guess, is what we'll say to sum it up with our grades. I mean, yeah, you have a game where Chris Boswell is a non-factor for once. He made both of his extra points, made two field goals. Uh, the Steelers converted a two-point conversion, and you're just thinking to yourself, "Man, it, it, this is this is it." And, you know, I talked about it, and I know that we all picked our our pick games. Uh, you know, throughout the week, I did multiple times. I actually had my prediction at twenty-eight twenty-seven, and it almost happened. Um, but man, it, it's just one of those situations where. I think the fan base, and I guarantee you, the team is the same way in the locker room. They're just stunned just stunned because it, this wasn't what was predicted by a lot of people. This wasn't the, they'll never be able to hang with breeze down in the dome. They'll never be able to, to run on this defense. They'll never be able to put up points uh, that they're untouchable in the dome. BS. They are touchable in the dome. The Steelers touched them up multiple times. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, if it weren't for some very, very 
important calls in every stretch of that word calls, <laughs> you know, uh, whether it's going forward on the fake punt and stuff like that. Uh, we'll never know, but kudos to the saints. They made the plays when, when necessary, just felt like they were aided a little bit. That's what I hate the most. Uh, Lance, uh, what are your kind of thoughts before we get to the, uh, the live chat here? Yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, in situations where they can end games and close games that they don't. And again, you know, we just see this defense giving up a touchdown in a big spot. I mean, it's just, just another game where they give up a touchdown in a big spot and they don't win the football game or they give up some points in some fashion. I think what's going to kick the Steelers this year is, you know, losing to the to the AFC West. I mean, losing every single game and having a great opportunity to win three or four of those. I mean, you've got to beat, you've got to win games that you're not supposed to win, I'm going to say, because every game in the NFL is a tough game. But these were some winnable games that, you know, that they did not finish. They were 7-2-1 and one in firm command of the division. And now they're on the outside looking in. But before we jump into the questions, uh, you know, this is just football and life is life. And uh, I want to send a, my condolences for myself, you, Jeff, and the program to Mel Daniels, to Melvin Daniels, Jr., Friend of the program, Melvin used to always call into the program. Um, his his grandfather, I believe, passed away today as he was watching the game uh, with his wife. His wife's a Saints fan. He's a Pittsburgh fan. Christmas time, his grandfather passed away. I was in very similar shoes a couple years ago when my grandmother uh, passed away at the same time. So I want to send my heartfelt condolences to Melvin, his family, uh, on behalf of me and Jeff, the show, uh, SB Nation, behind a steel curtain Steeler nation everybody uh mel keep your head up man absolutely yeah melvin i actually was talking with him on uh t via twitter uh yesterday um he was at the game with his wife so um that's tough that's tough to, to to lose someone in general but to lose it around the holiday season is never fun either so yeah thanks for bringing that up appreciate that um you know it, it is tough and a lot of people will say you know uh, you, you know, for, for instance, me as the editor of the website, you know, you're going to be churning out content, but you know, you're, you're still a fan. I still want the Steelers to win. I, that's, that to me is the difference between behind the steel curtain.com and our podcast compared to, uh, following Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Look, Jeremy Fowler is a great writer. I think he's one of the better ones out of the group, but he's not a fan of the Steelers. If he is, he can't say it. I am a fan of the Steelers. That's SB nation's slogan is come fan with us because we're all fans and we all we all take these losses differently I, all i ask is that you know if you're listening to this podcast and you're a member of the youtube community or if you're a member of our community on the website is is it look it, it sucks we all get it it sucks but at the same time it's just a football game <laughs> um and i'll tell a quick story not to get not to get totally sidetracked here lance i think you might find this funny um what was it what was it 2013 the tebow game in the playoffs the wild card oh yeah okay uh -huh. so here's here's a funny story i don't know if i've ever told this on air before but uh earlier because that was right around the holidays uh my parents had gotten me a mailbox cover for our mailbox at the house at the time and so I slapped that son of a gun on there. I was super proud. The Steelers were in the playoffs, thought they were going to make a run. You know all this. You know that stuff. Well, it had gotten ridiculously cold here in the Mid-Atlantic. And the, the adhesive to the, the glue that, you know, gets on that mailbox cover was frozen solid. 
And so after the Demarius Thomas touchdown, Ike Taylor gets stiff arm. The game over. Tebow's kneeling, and I am fuming. I mean, furious. I go outside to get the mail because I'd forgotten to get it. And I see this mailbox cover, and it just infuriates me. And I take it, and I'm trying to rip this mailbox cover off the mailbox. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I can't. I can't rip it off because it's so cold. Like the adhesive is not budget. If anything, I'm going to rip the mailbox out of the ground. And uh, I'm not saying I'm like Superman or anything, but I'm, I'm furious. And finally, I say, you know what? F it. I screw it. I, I just come back inside. And the mailbox cover was kind of like peeled back a little bit. And I thought to myself, I can't believe I let something that I have no control over get to me that bad. That I was literally so angry that I wanted to rip my mailbox out of the ground. And that's ever since then, I definitely have taken Steelers losses a little bit better. And a lot of that comes from coaching. Now, Lance, you coached, I coached. Um, when you're a coach, you have no control. You control only the preparation. That's it. And so once once you once the game starts and you have in-game adjustments, that's natural. But you have to relinquish a lot of uh, control. And that's difficult for a lot of people. And I know a lot of people follow the Steelers super, super close. And they feel like they're a part of the team. And they feel like they could do better. But let's be honest, folks. We have no control of this. All we do is we we sit and watch. And we enjoy watching. And so I still enjoy, I still enjoy this team. I'm looking forward to next week. We're not going to go anywhere. Um, and, so, and so, again, the, the playoff scenario for the Steelers is the Steelers can make the playoffs with a win over the Bengals, a Ravens loss to the Browns, or a win and the Titans and Colts somehow tie. <laughs> so here we are going right, into week 17, right, right, right. Needing, yeah, to be, needing to beat the Bengals and rooting for the Browns. It'll well, be interesting. It'll be well, interesting to see what they do with the time of these games. Um, because the Steelers are scheduled for one o'clock next Sunday. They can move games around and they have no Sunday night game. As of right now, although I guarantee you the Titans and Colts, because it's a win and end situation, will be moved to Sunday Night Football. That's my guess. So uh, there you go. Jeff didn't tell you. He probably tore a bicep. No, no. My biceps are intact. Thank you very much. (laughs) 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 Oh, goodness. It's been a while, man, since the the team has struggled in December like this. You know what I mean? Take a, take a listen to this. I give credit to where credit's due. Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot just tweeted this out. The Steelers' second half of the year record since 2013. Listen to these numbers. 2013, 6-2. 2014, 6-2. 2015, 6-2. 2016, 7-1. 2017, 7-1. 2018, 3-4. Now, the season isn't over yet, Lance. There's still one game left. I understand that. But if you were to pinpoint... Like one thing, maybe two things that you're like, this This is what's killing this team this year because it obviously hasn't happened so much in the past. What, what would that be? I would say defensive inconsistency in the secondary. That's one, inability to get turnovers. Two, um, inconsistent Ben Roethlisberger football and the injury to Connor. I think the injury to Connor really kind of put them back a little bit I think if James Conner plays some of those games and he plays in a fashion that he did earlier in the year, I think they win some of those games. Those would be the the four things that I would say. Because some of those games, I mean, you know, some of the turnovers in those games were terrible. And turnovers were really bad. 
but yeah, I think that plus minus killed him this year. Um, I think Connor's injury, some inconsistent Ben Roethlisberger play, and some secondary stuff. I think um, you know you throw that in there. I think those are my my, my causes for concern. Yeah, and, and I don't want to get into talk about like uh, what needs to change in the offseason because it, the Steelers are not out of it. And I want people to understand that the Browns and the Ravens, that is no gimme. And I know there's people right now that will say, well, neither are the Steelers beating the Bengals. Well, if I'm going to pick a, a, a team that I feel has the easier game, it's going to be Pittsburgh against Cincinnati who doesn't have A.J. Green. I'm not sure if they have Tyler Boyd anymore. Um, they don't have Andy Dalton right now. Vontez Burford got another concussion today, so he might have just they might just shut him down. Um, it's a very it's a very sloppy Bengals team that was already sloppy to begin with. So could this could the Steelers still get in? Absolutely. Do you want to be in this scenario where you have to win and need help? No, obviously you don't. But I want people to understand the season is not over. It feels like it is. It feels like this was week 17 or it feels like this was a playoff loss, actually. But it's not over. And so, Lance, if I ask you now, like, what if, what if you had to put a number percentage on the Steelers' chances of making the playoffs, what would you put it? 30%. Really? Actually, where's the Browns game? Is it in? It's is it in, in Cleveland? It's in Baltimore. I'm gonna say twenty five percent. I think it's gonna be very difficult for the Browns to go up there and win, just because of how well the Ravens are playing defensively. But I know one thing's for certain: Lamar Jackson cannot throw the football consistently, and you pretty much know what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of RPO stuff, and you're going to get a lot of running. The difficult thing with RPO stuff is. You know, you usually don't have a person to account for this for the quarterback. That that number, you don't count the quarterback. You know, you count the receivers going out and stuff like that. The quarterback typically doesn't get counted. And so I'm sure they're going to play some spy concepts. But you know what you're going to get. You're going to get probably 45 rushing attempts. And you're going to get a couple of shot plays on third down. And that's what it's going to be. Uh, Cleveland is playing really good football. Baker Mayfield is the better of the two quarterbacks, but the Ravens defense is is playing lights out. And they're playing with the type of physicality and speed where they know they have to play lights out to win. And they are playing like that week in and week out. So I live in Maryland. And that's one of the reasons because I, I see and hear a lot about the Ravens. And that's one of the reasons why I, when everyone else that I, you, Chris Carter, Dave Schofield, who joined me for the preview show, all of you all picked the Ravens to lose to the Chargers. I picked the Ravens because I know this team's tough. They're gritty, but this team has also lost some bad games, even, uh, or had lo- not looked very good. And they've done it at home too. Um, Lamar Jackson barely beat a Tampa Bay Bucks team. So what I'm saying is I'm going to say that this is a 50-50 prospect for me that the Browns go in there and win. I watched a little bit of the Browns-Bengals game today, and I know I it's the Bengals, and I just talked about how hapless they were. This Browns team is different, man. This is a different Browns team. This is a Browns team that, in my opinion, is going to be a team to be reckoned with next year in the AFC North. Baker Mayfield is as confident as they come, and I tell you what, it's not going to be an easy game for the Ravens. Think back to last year. What did they have to do? Beat the Bengals and you're in. What did they do? The Bengals and Tyler Boyd carved them up when it mattered most and they missed the playoffs. It can happen again. That happened in Baltimore. 
This is in Baltimore. I say it's a 50-50 game that the Browns actually beat the Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. I have a feeling they're both going to be one o'clock games. There's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching for both the Steelers. Uh, well, mainly just for the Steelers because it's winning in for Baltimore. So there you go, fifty-fifty. That's what I say. I think it's a fifty-fifty chance. All right, Joy. I see you. No, realistic. <laughs> I, I, you call, call me. You were. I was Nostradamus last night when I predicted that Ravens win. No, Jeff Stradamus. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Okay. Um. I'm trying to f- go through some of these questions. Sorry about that. Uh, let's hear. Well, I know yeah. the Steelers. I'm, I'm going to give the Steelers a hundred percent shot at beating the Bengals. They're going to hammer the Bengals next week. They're going to beat the Bengals so bad next week that if they don't go to the playoffs, teams are going to go. The fans are just going to be absolutely pissed off because they're going to say, "Wow, look at this team. This is a team that kills a team like this. You know, they should be in the playoffs." Um, so yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to be definitely interesting over, you know, the next several days. I mean, it's, it's, there's still some football, Yeah, you know, you know, you got to win and get in. Absolutely. And so here's a good question. And it's worth talking about, uh, a question of the sheep M whatever that is, if the Steelers get in, will they be a wild card or division leader? This is the crazy thing. If they win and get in, they will be the number four seed as the AFC North champions, period. Uh, the wild card is going to be – one of them is going to be the AFC West team. Um, so we're talking about, you know, um, the Chiefs or the – I'm just drawing a blank – Chargers. So most likely the Chargers. And the other wild card team is going to be the Titans or the Colts. So the Steelers would be the number four seed if that is to happen. So, um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the Steelers get in. Will they be a wild card or division leader? They would get in as a division leader. All right, so let's go in with some other questions here. Um, if the Steelers don't get in, who are you rooting for? Ah, uh, see, you're asking the wrong guy, Isaac. I I hate every other team in the National Football League with a passion. Um, I can, <laughs> I can think of a bunch of reasons why I hate a lot of teams. Um, definitely not rooting for New England. Definitely would not be rooting for Baltimore. Definitely would not be rooting for Kansas City or anyone like that. But definitely not Los Angeles because I can't stand Philip Rivers. Um, yeah, don't. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, I, yeah, I'm a hater. I, I, okay, when it comes to the Steelers, I'm a hater. Okay, I am 100% hater. I like the Steelers, and that's it. It's with my kids. They'll ask, like, oh, do you like this team? No, I like one team, and I've always said that. You should like one team. I don't have an NFC team or anything like that. One team, Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, I'm an old head. You know, you ain't got to ask me that question, Jeff. You know how I get that. Yeah. You know, it's one team. Exactly. Exactly. So let's hear – Um. Which loss do you think was the worst that put us in this precarious situation? That's not how they worded it. I changed it a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Which one is the worst? The Raiders loss that you attended, or would it be maybe like the Denver Broncos, which ended in an interception at the goal line, or the Chargers, where you blew the fourth quarter lead? Um, I think you'd probably pick one of those three, wouldn't you, Lance? I'd probably say the Browns. The tie? The tie, not beating the Browns with Tyrod Taylor starting, you know, a team that hadn't won a game in uh, 
Another last, botched, another botched call. Yeah, like, tied in that game. Just so you, you know, know not, you're not, talking not, officiating. Not beating the Brown game one, you know, a team that was 0-16 and you tie and you can't beat that team. That's the worst result to me. I mean, it wasn't a loss, but that's a that, that's a game that you gotta win. You can't tie Lou. You gotta win that game. Hey, they win that game. We're not talking about this. You're right. You're right. I agree 100%. So Justin asks, the Ravens, where he says, sorry, a question. I just want to talk about it. The Ravens are not going to blow a playoff spot. They're built like the Steelers. They're not going to blow this chance. They did it last year, Justin. Same, <laughs> same exact situation. They did it last year. It can happen. Okay. They can happen. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see here. A lot of firing going on. Let's talk the firing. Let's fire everyone. Fire them into the freaking sky. Screw it. Let's talk the firing real quick, Jeff. What? Let's play this forward. Okay. If they make the playoffs or if they don't make the playoffs, either scenario, I think somebody is getting fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Tomlin's not getting fired. You're not going to fire a coach that's never had a losing season. You're just not going to do it. Uh, that, that's not going to happen, and nor should you. I, I think it's Danny Smith and Butler. I think those are the two guys. But do they lose a coach to a head coaching job? Is, is there, you think there's only that? one coach. There's only Munchak? one coach, and that's Munchak. You know, th- does Munchak go somewhere? I hope not. I, I think there's. I think the two firings are Smith and Butler. I mean, how did Smith keep his job this long in the first place? Loyalty. And how? And how in the hell? If we're talking about the end of the season, leading into like decisions like this, if Butler, how did Butler not get fired last year after the Jaguars came into Heinz Field twice and just laid the smackdown? Now the first loss in Week Five of last year, that was Ben's five interception game. But then in the playoffs, to give up, to lose like that in your home turf. So everyone has this negative connotation about the defense going into the offseason, and he doesn't get fired. Is it is it worse now, the, the, the thoughts in your head about the defense? Is it worse now than it was last year? It can, do you think it is? Not necessarily. I just think it's just another year. Of... So that, that makes me wonder if he's going to get fired at all. But I think it's just another year of it treading water. I don't know if the Steelers work like that, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It, it'd be tough. But 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 just from the results. But you don't go to the playoffs. And I'm not going to say that the Steelers are just so talented that just by sheer talent alone uh, they should go to a Super Bowl. I'm not going to say that. But they're talented enough to where they should be in the playoffs. I think I think it's right that 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 someone feels it in the offseason. I don't I don't think that other than Tomlin that and Feetner that anyone on the staff should be overly comfortable. Like I think it should be a little hot in that building. It should be hot. It should be hot. No one should be comfortable. I think Tomlin's safe as to the dismay of Steeler Nation everywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, last year the Steelers put up forty plus points on the number one defense in the in the league, and they fired their offensive coordinator. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, people ask all the time who's going to get fired. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they fire Butler Smith and I don't know, some scouting department dudes, whatever. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if Smith and Butler stayed and they keep their coaching staff intact. Why? I don't understand sometimes how this, uh, this, this organization looks at their coaches and how much input Mike Tomlin has with the coaches. Because let's be honest, if we're going to fire coaches, um, Danny Smith, we've already talked about him. Butler talked about him. So we haven't talked about Joey Porter. Have we seen enough production from him and his outside linebackers that we think that he is good enough uh, to take TJ Watt to the next level? I think TJ Watt has slowly progressed. Do we give him credit for that? Or do we actually say, I think that if we get someone else in here, TJ Watt could turn from a 12, 13 sack guy to a 15, 16 sack guy. You know, here's, um, the, that's a question. here's the thing that when you look at Butler, you know, one thing that's a feather in Butler's cap, and I know Steeler fans are pissed off at Butler right now. They get sacks. They generate pressure. I mean, his defense in the last two years under Butler will have gotten, what, about 95 sacks? Yeah. Well, they had I mean, 42 coming into this week. I think 42. So I can check. I can check. That's well, like they had they had 50 last year, right? I'm pretty 56. sure. 56. They set a franchise record. They had 56 last year. I'm going to guess they have 45 this year. Let's just throw it out at 44, 45. What? That's 110 sacks over the last two seasons. So, I mean, th- he has his issues. I mean that that that's a well coordinated unit to be able to get 110 sacks in this yeah. NFL. Well, well, wait, well, well the, here's here. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. You know, well, you know, getting that many sacks in this NFL when the ball comes out as quickly as it does, he's doing something right. Yeah, no, I like I said, he. Yeah, this is one of those questions where you have to wonder what's really going on behind closed doors. But let me ask you this question: Secondary, did it take a step forward or a step step backward this year? I think it took a step backward from the perspective of that Artie Burns didn't move forward. I know, I know. Come on. All right, go ahead. And I say that because let's just say it stayed the same. I I think Hilton was the same. I think Joe Hayden uh, was the same. I think he played. He had his good moments and bad moments. The biggest thing that he was more healthy than usual and stayed on the football field. Uh, I think Sean Davis took a step forward. Uh, but I think it stayed the same. And then when it stays the same, that means it didn't get better. And I would have liked to have seen this staff be able to get something out of Artie Burns. And, and that's unfortunate. That could be the player. They could be doing everything. I'm sure they're doing everything that they can. Uh, I just would have liked to have seen them get more out of Burns this year. Uh, yeah, that guy might not, he might not even be on the roster next year. And We'll talk about this a lot in the off season because I'm already thinking about how we're going to work our content. We're still going to have podcasts through the off season is, Hey, I always feel that if you swing and miss on a first round pick, it sets your team back at that position for probably two to three years, maybe more. Some might say four years, because even as a first round pick, you, the fifth year is an option. That's what they call it, the fifth year option. And so you look, you look at Artie Burns, like that was a first round pick. Jarvis Jones, that was a first round pick. Bud Dupree, I mean, he's been okay, but that's a first round draft pick. Um, you know, he, Terrell Edmonds, yeah, the, the, there's still the jury's still out on him. Um, it, it, it definitely 
boggles my mind when we talk about the secondary improvement in uh, not improving the front four same scenario. How a team, a scouting department, a general manager, and a coaching staff can be so good at picking offensive players <laughs> and just so freaking awful at picking defensive players. Take TJ Watt out of the equation, Lance. Can you tell me one player the Steelers have picked in the last five years in the first three rounds on defense that has been a playmaker? Hargrave. Is a playmaker? Yeah. I mean, for his position. Okay. 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 I'll give you Hargrave. He has what, he seven was, sacks this year. I yeah, think that's the, that's the other guy that, as a feather in Butler's cap, is is the progression and the coaching of Hargrave. They made Hargrave one of the best guys in the NFL at that position. Being able to play sub-package football inside as a big guy to get pass rush, you know, that's critical to sub-package football is having that type of guy in the interior. So, yeah, I, so I'll yeah. give him Hargrave, but I get your point. Like it's, Sean, it's, like it's Sean Davis, like Sean Davis is solid, but he's not yes. a playmaker. Now sure. I did, I did forget. I will say, and and people were commenting players like uh, Ryan Shazier obviously was a playmaker, so that yes. would be one. Um, yes. I think TJ Watt is a playmaker, so that's another. But when you have so many other misses, they've they focused their first round picks on defenders for all these years now, and you just you're not getting the playmakers. I mean, uh, what is the difference between this defense and the defenses that were really really good? in the early to mid two thousands is that they had playmakers on those teams, whether it was Harrison or Woodley coming off the edge, Paula Malu in the back end with Ryan Clark, even Ike Taylor had splash plays and was able to take defenders out. So it's going to be interesting. I'd see someone says to it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know about that's, to it. That's tough. I mean, he's a second round draft pick. I understand that a lot of people said he could have been a first round pick if it weren't for a foot injury. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, like I said, it still comes down to they are so good at drafting offensive players. I mean, you can run down the gambit of players that, whether it's Juju, whether it's, you know, all these other guys that have been I mean, the, hell, the, they, the linemen that they pick that you're like, who's this guy? And they end up being a solid I mean, the, the examples. I mean, the examples to your point, Jeff, are Villanueva, once again, a pro bowl, converted from a tight end. And the other is AB. You're going to get a Hall of Fame wide receiver that was a six-round pick. From Eastern Michigan. I mean, yeah. offensive guys, they're spot on. Um, any more questions, Jeff? No, I, know I, Steeler, I know Steeler Nation is upset. They're We're pissed. upset. I'm pissed. We're, We're all upset. pissed. I freaking picked the Steelers to win. I was looking so good. So good, man. Because the Ravens won. I called that. I was like, you know what? I didn't think the Steelers were going to lose again. To be honest with you. And I still think if this team can get in the playoffs somehow, some way, they can make some noise. And you got to tell me that you are proving that tonight. Got to be honest. Yes, I do. I, but I'll say this: they can make some noise. But we've all, but but this this is an inconsistent football team, and it it can beat anybody. But like David DeCastro said last week, it's a team that can lose to anybody. And, and and that is legitimate. I mean, it it has, and that's the frustrating thing about this football team that in spots it's a world beater, but in spots it loses to the Raiders. That's yeah. on your resume as well, and it can't be removed. 
I, I think this, to me, the and, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, and we'll talk about this a lot in the coming weeks, but the biggest knock on Tomlin for me is that there is a visible difference in the team from their approach to the game, the way they their, their demeanor on the field, their execution on the field in big games like today compared to games like Oakland. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, yeah, I that's the biggest knock on him for me is that as a coach, you have to have a more even keel. I don't understand how you can be all buttoned up against the Saints and the Patriots and yet be loosey-goosey against the Raiders. And that's that's something that is a criticism of Mike Tomlin. And in my opinion, it is completely justified. Here's um, another thing. Here's another thing, Jeff, because I'm, I'm a Tomlin apologist. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I mean, everybody least, knows that I am yes, already. Just like right. you're a Roethlisberger guy. Yes. Is they got to be more buttoned up in the first quarter of the season as well. You know, a lot of times, and sometimes that happens to some other teams. Everybody talks about how that happens to the Patriots and so on and so forth. But sometimes they don't come out the gate really clean. They come out kind of stumbling, bumbling. Then they kind of find their way. And it takes those back halves of the season to be as well as it is, like you demonstrated with that stat, 6-2, and 6-2, 7-1, 7-1, 7-1, you know, for them to get into the playoffs. So I would like them to be more buttoned up, especially with the penalties and more disciplined and more clean as you come out of training camp. I think that's something that they have to look at because typically we've seen this team come be highly penalized and that start to dip over the course of the season. And maybe you come out more cleaner where you don't give away some games like a Cleveland game, which may cost you a playoff appearance. Yeah. Well, we'll have time to talk about it, but breaking news, I guess you want to call it breaking news, or let me just say programming alert. This is where you would cue the, uh, the news sound. You know what sucks is that the Steelers and the Browns and the Bravens I'm sorry, the Ravens and Browns and the Steelers and Bengals are now both going to be moved to 425 p.m. next Sunday. That's so, terrible. Um, it's not going to be a 1 o'clock start, not being flexed to the night game, because I guarantee you that night game is going to be Indy and Tennessee as it's a play and end game. Um, but it'll be a 425 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start to set your calendars accordingly. Don't want to miss that, folks. So, um, yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, you know, I'm thrilled. I hate late games, but I can't complain. I'm on the West Coast. Yeah, it's not it's not as long as it's not night. I'm okay with the four twenty fives, just not night. Just don't give me night games. Can't stand those. Uh but you know what? We're gonna have like I said earlier, folks, we're not going anywhere. Um we're gonna be here all week. The website's gonna churn out content because let's be honest, the game the Steelers are still involved in the season. This is not a their season's over. Um so we're gonna be there. We're still gonna be covering the team, talking about you know, all the different things that are going to go into the, this upcoming weekend in terms of, heck, we might even start breaking down the Ravens and Browns if we're bored enough. Um, but so uh, we'll be back. Tomorrow night is the, the Steelers hangover. You can catch that with Brian and Tony. Wednesday, um, we'll be back for um, another episode of the, the Standard is a Standard. And then Thursday will be our preview show. The holidays should not impact that schedule too much. Uh, and then we'll be back, obviously, next week for another episode of the Steelers post game. So let's hope we don't have just one more post game. Let's hope we have at least two. Fingers crossed, everyone. Positive thoughts. Lance, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays Make- to you, Jeff. Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Enjoy Christmas it. And um, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Steelers post game.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.